And uh, it's a book that doesn't just contain God's Word, but it is God's Word, all of it. And um, we believe that the Bible is inspired and that it has been preserved for us without error, uh, in the, especially in the King James Version of Scripture, that it is uh, without error and has been preserved for us. And uh, the reason that we believe this is in order for the things that we believe, we call them our doctrine, in order for the things that we believe to be pure, we must have them based on a pure word. If our Bible has errors and problems in it, then we can never have confidence in truth. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God has given us His truth. In fact, the Bible says that the church is the pillar and the ground upon which truth rests. It's something that the church has been given responsibility for. You and I have been given the Word of God, and we're to handle it very carefully. And I was giving some thought this week. You know, I uh, there are a lot of lot of different denominations out there. Brother Harold and I were talking this week, and he had an opportunity to speak to somebody that was a Mormon. And there's a lot of different beliefs out there. And it's interesting to me that uh, most every other belief out there that I can think of uh, holds somewhat to Scripture, but also to the opinions of man or the thoughts of man or some leader in their denomination. And uh, we believe here at Keith Ice Baptist Church that our sole authority, our only authority, when it comes to truth, is the Word of God. Uh, I don't want you to trust what I say about things. Uh, I'm, I'm human just like you are and prone to error. And I'll just tell you that up front. If you're looking to your pastor to be infallible and to not have ever a mistake that he does, uh, you're looking at the wrong pastor. <laughs> and you're probably in the wrong church. But I know this book is infallible. And I know the truth of this book is infallible. And uh, I was given some thought this week. Uh, I, uh, I don't believe the Bible... Uh, just because I'm a Baptist. I, I, I believe the Bible because it's God's Word and it's truth. And I would believe that whether I was Baptist or not Baptist. And, and I think every point of coming to the knowledge of truth has to start with the foundation. Jesus said, Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, and that is Christ Jesus. He is the foundation. He's the cornerstone. Everything else that we believe and hold to has to be built on Him. And the only thing that we have that gives us the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ is the Word of God. And uh, so when we come to Scripture, uh, we need to understand its authority, its ability to uh, establish and uphold and defend truth for us. And uh, so we can trust it. When the Bible says something, uh, no matter how incredulous it may sound, it's truth, because the Bible is true, every word of it. John chapter number 4, and uh, we're going to begin reading down in verse number 5. Uh, let's we'll just back up here. Uh, let's go ahead and back up to verse number 1. We'll just start at the beginning. It's all good. So let's start in Genesis. We'll read till we get I'm just. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. All right, we're going to start at the beginning of chapter number 4, just to get a running start into it. When therefore the Lord... Now, we're speaking here of, of Jesus Christ and His earthly ministry. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus Himself baptized not, but His disciples, 
He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Now understand this, the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. There was, there was great, great dissension between them. The Samaritans were uh, half-breeds between a, a Jew and a Gentile. And the Jews did not at all like them. I mean, there was some great, great animosity during this time period between the Jews and the Samaritans. Jesus, being a Jew, had to go through Samaria. And notice the Bible says here, and we get to verse number 5, Then cometh he to a city uh, of Samaria, which is called uh, Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me? That's that's an appropriate question for her to ask. Because she said this, Which am a woman of Samaria. In other words, why are you a Jew asking me a Samaritan for water? Isn't there, don't, don't you detest us? Don't you hate us? And look what Jesus says here. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest, notice this, the what? The gift of God. If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it, uh, who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him. And he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water, speaking of Jacob's well, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give. Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message this morning and speak to hearts. Lord, as Christians, we rejoice in the fact that we can know from Your Word, we can know without any question that we can have a home in heaven for all of eternity. That all of the requirements for us to do so, You met them all on Calvary. In our stead, for our sake, You met all of the requirements. And then You now give us that gift of eternal life. And Lord, it is so simple in Scripture That we are not to rely upon the things that we can do, but we are simply to rely upon the things that You have already done for us. The price that You paid by going to the cross and dying on it and shedding Your own blood, being buried and raising up again, that You have already paid the price for our sin. And then, Lord, the most amazing thing that You offer to us forgiveness of our sin and a home in heaven for all of eternity as a gift. It's not something that we have to earn. 
Lord, we rejoice so much in that this morning, and I pray that you would help every person here to have this confidence that they have trusted you as their Savior. There's been a time in their place and place in their life where they have quit trying to do it themselves. And they say, Lord, I can't save myself. I just am going to trust you. Lord, I pray that you'd help that to take place today. If there's anyone like that in this room, someone that does not know for sure if they were to die today, that they would go to heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've heard here a pretty amazing story. I love, I love the stories that Jesus chose to give us in Scripture, don't you? They illustrate so vividly some things and some points that He wants us to know. And you know one of the great things? If, if, if God is who He says He is, and if He loves us the way that He says He does, and if He's done the things for us that He says that He's done, don't you think He'd find some way to get the news to us, to get the message to us? <laughs> and He's done that. He's done that through His Word. He's told us that He has made a way for you and I to be saved. For you and I to not have to pay for our sins. I was telling somebody a while back, my dad years ago used to say, uh, he, he was a pastor also and he would do funerals. And he said, he used to say, every once in a while somebody would come to him and say at a funeral, well, he's gone to his just reward. And a lot of people have heard that phrase. Well, he's gone on to his just reward. Can I tell you this? If I'm saved and I've trusted Christ as my Savior, I'm thankful that I am not going to get my just reward. Because the truth of the matter is, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, chapter number 3, that all of us have sinned. All of us. By the way, we, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. We have a sinful nature. We're born into this. It's not very long as we're uh, little Sophia down here, so innocent. There's going to come a day where she is going to have a recognition between things that are right and things that are wrong. And when that recognition happens, when she begins to understand that concept, uh, can I tell you this, as innocent as she may seem and as cute as she is this morning, she's going to be a dirty little rotten sinner at that point. I don't mean to offend the Garcias, but the truth is all of us went through that, didn't we? Every single one of us were sinful because we were born that way. And I'm thankful. You know, here's the amazing thing. The world looks at the things of God oftentimes the exact backwards way of the way they should be looking at God. The world looks at God and says, well, He's come to frown on my parade. He's come to squelch my personality. He's come to trample on top of my rights. He's come to make my life miserable. He's come to be judgmental of me. No, 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 no. We, the Bible says in John chapter number 3 and verse number 18, we're condemned already. For us to be condemned in our sin, you know what we have to do? Nothing. We're already there. We are born sinners. God did not come to this world or send Jesus Christ to this world to condemn us. God sent Jesus Christ to this world because He loved us so much, He wanted us to escape that condemnation. He said, you know what, there's a price to be paid for that sin that we willingly chose. He didn't choose it, we did. There's a price to be paid for that. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. He says, this is the second death. This is the penalty for sin. You say, boy, I, I'll tell you, that's a harsh thing to say, Brother Greg, to say that people that are sinners are going to go to hell. It's what we chose as sinners. God didn't do that to us, we did it. 
What did God do for us? God looked down, the Bible says in Romans chapter number 5, and says, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's what Christ did for me. He, He didn't come to condemn me. He didn't come to make my life miserable. He came to give me liberty. He came to give me freedom. He came to give me deliverance. And He doesn't charge a high price for it, unlike some people that come out with the next greatest gizmo out there on the market. And we think, boy, we just can't live without it. And they create such a, a hype about it. I have loved these little... Have you seen those little round iRobot vacuum cleaners? I have loved those for a long, long time. They're too expensive. I don't, I don't own one. But I'd love to have one because I don't like to keep house very well. And, and I'd love that thing to go around and sweep my floors for me all the time. But you know what? Somebody came out with that thing. It probably cost them about $10 to make it. And they charged two or $300 for these things. You know why? Because it's of value to people. And I tell you this, God gives us something of the greatest value, and He doesn't charge for it. He gives it to us freely. Notice what He tells this lady here as we get down to verse number 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of Him, and He would have given thee living water. The woman doesn't understand. She says, well, are you greater than Jacob? I mean, what, what's the deal? What, what are you talking about here? You don't even have anything to draw water with. And he, he says this in verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst. He's not talking here about physical thirst, is he? He's talking about that thing inside of us before we trust Him as our Savior that's empty. You remember back before you got saved? If you're here today, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, maybe you're there today. There's something missing. You're looking for something. You've tried a lot of things to fill the void, and it just just doesn't happen. I was talking to a fellow a while back. He said, I've got this craving in my life. I've got to have this particular event type thing happening in my life. He said, I've got an emptiness there and I've got to fill it up. And I said, you're looking the wrong place. You're looking the wrong way. It's never going to satisfy. Jesus said, I'll give you water. And he's not speaking here of physical water. He's speaking of, he's giving us salvation. He said, I'll give you water that you'll never thirst again. It'll fill that void in your life. It'll fill that emptiness. Now, I'm not going to stand up here as a pastor and tell you if you get saved, everything's going to be uh, uh, roses and everything's going to be fine and you're never going to get sick again. Now, there's preachers out there that'll teach that, but can I tell you this? They're not teaching you the Bible. All right? I'm not saying your life's going to be perfect. What I'm telling you is Christ is going to come in. He's going to fill the void. And when you go through the valleys, He's going to be there with you. He's going to give you joy. Even in the midst of sorrow, He's going to give you joy. We're praying this morning for a pastor friend that uh, got COVID a number of months ago. He's been in ICU and on life support for a number of uh, months now. And finally, his family's had to make the hard choice. And this morning, right about now, they're taking him off of life support. I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know if God will spare his life or if God's going to take his life this morning. And that family had to come to a hard choice this morning. But I can guarantee you this, that while the tears stream down their face, they have joy knowing that even if God takes Brother Mills to heaven this morning, that he's safe in the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And there's joy in that. John said, these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. Can I tell you this? I'm so glad that God told us in Scripture that we can know for sure. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to question. And I think it's a wonderful thing that God has given us as a free gift to us. I've heard somebody say, well, Pastor, I don't think a loving God would send anybody to hell. And I agree fully with that statement. I think a loving God would see people that were headed to hell and do everything that He could to keep them from it. And by the way, that's exactly what He did. He, he, he went so far as to take the only begotten Son that He had, the only one, and allow Him to die on a cross for your sin and for my sin. And then He turns around and says, I'm not even going to charge you a high price for it. It's not like the iRobot vacuum cleaner. He doesn't say this is a great thing and here's how much it's going to cost you. He says it's a great thing and it's free. All you got to do is reach out there and take it. All you got to do is put your faith in what I've told you. Believe it. Trust me for it. Put your faith in it. Look with me, if you will, in the book of Ephesians. Hold your place here in John for a moment. We're going to come back in just a minute. John, Ephesians chapter number 2. We were here a couple of weeks ago reading, going through most of this particular chapter. Ephesians chapter number 2. Let's begin in verse number 1. The Bible says, And you hath he quickened. The word quickened is an old English word. We have, we have our King James Bible is written in a lot of old English. Doesn't mean we can't understand it. You just have to take a little effort. You gotta sometimes look it up in the uh, Webster's eighteen twenty eight dictionary. But most of us know what these words mean. They may be words we don't use very often, but we know what they mean usually. If we don't, Webster's eighteen twenty eight is a great, great resource. You know, when I was a kid, uh, every once in a time out, we're going to take a detour, and I'll come right back to the message. So remember where we're at. All right. When I was a kid, every once in a while I was doing homework, and I'd say, "Mom, what does what does this word mean?" or and you know, you know what her favorite answer to me was? What was it? Oh, you had a mom like that too, didn't you? Look it up, didn't she? Huh? Nowadays, you know, the kids Google it. You know, it's no looking up at all. They just Google it. But we had to go get the old, the old, uh, you know, we had to go get the old dictionary. And, and you know, when you're when you're eight or ten years old, a, a 95 pound dictionary is not easy to lug over to the table. And and then you have to look through all the words. You know what that dictionary did for me, though? It took a word that I didn't understand. It helped me understand it. We, we have our King James Bible, which I believe is translated without error. Not even, one, not even one jot or tittle, I believe. I don't think there's even a punctuation mark out of place. I believe everything in it, because of the meticulousness with which these translators translated it, because of, I believe, the supernatural help of the Holy Spirit in guiding and aiding them in the translation work, I believe that we hold in our hands as we sit here today, if we have a King James Bible, it is preserved for English-speaking people without error. None at all. And because of that, I can come back and say, if there's a word in it that I don't understand, I'm not going to go find another version. I'm going to go find the definition to the word. I want to learn what the word says. 
And so in verse number two, chapter number two, verse number one, it says, And you hath he quickened. The word quickened, and you can take time to look it up and make sure I'm telling you right. Don't take my word for it. The word quickened here in Old English was to be made alive. To be made alive. And you hath, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You know that emptiness that's inside of you before you get saved? That part of you is dead. And when you get saved, the Bible says that he makes that part alive. Wherein, notice verse number 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 2, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now that's speaking there of, of Satan and, and his dominion, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all, do you see that word? We all. Your pastor used to be there. Can you believe that? I used to be a child of the devil. I used to be walking after the power of the prince of the power of the air. By the way, so did you. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. They lived the life the way we want to. I'm going to do what I want to do, and nobody's going to tell me any differently. We used to all live that way, didn't we? Verse number 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. Does that sound like a vengeful God to you? Does that sound like a God who came down and said, I'm just going to make man's life miserable? I'm going to find a way to nitpick their life, and I'm going to be judgmental about everything that they do. No, no, we already made that decision for God. God loved us and was rich in mercy toward us. Notice he says this, For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. We've been delivered from that condemnation. We've been delivered from that life. And hath raised us up together and made us sit in, together in heavenly places in, in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. <laughs> That's it. Through faith. Plus nothing, minus nothing. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, <clears throat> not of works, lest any man should boast. There's a lot of people out there, if you ask them if they're going to go to heaven, Brother Garcia was mentioning a minute ago, how many folks down in Honduras believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe what they've done. And I've found this to be true even in the United States of America. How many people will believe in Jesus They've heard about Him. They've gone to church. They've read about Him in Scripture. And they believe that by putting their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and by working, by living a good life, that they will earn their way to heaven. You know what the Bible says about my righteousness? <laughs> you know what righteousness is? Righteousness is the good stuff I do. That's the best of the best of me. If I take the very best that I have, I would say that's my righteousness. You know what the Bible calls those? God says, he, when He looks at them, they are filthy rags. 
Why in the world would I say, God, you owe me heaven because of these filthy rags? That doesn't even make sense, does it? I can't earn my way to heaven. I can't live a good enough life. I can't belong to the right church. I can't get baptized enough times to get to heaven. It's not going to happen. God says, not Brother Greg, not the Baptist faith, not the church we're attending today. God said this. Our only authority is this book right here. Not what I believe, not what the Baptists believe, but what does this book say? It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you're trying to live a good enough life to make it to heaven, you're not going to do it. I had a neighbor friend of mine for years growing up. His, his daughter and my older sister were best friends for a long period of time. I remember when he passed away, we went to the funeral. We sat there in the church building. And the man that was doing the funeral stood up and said, We know that our brother is in heaven today. Because every time somebody needed a ride to the airport, he volunteered and gave him a ride to the airport. And I sat there thinking, if that's what he was trusting to get him to heaven, then he didn't make it. Today, if that's what he was trusting in, then he's in hell. You say, Brother Greg, that's a harsh thing to say. I'm just saying what the Bible tells us about it. I'm not saying that God has sent him there. We sent ourselves there by our own choice. God's trying to get us out of there. He's trying to reach down and pick us up out of that miry, sinking clay that we're set in. That sinful life that we're in. He's trying to reach down and grab us out of there and keep us from that place. And for some reason, we get it in our minds that God is out to get us. That God is some meanie up there setting rules that are impossible for us to keep, and then when we break them, punishing us for them. It's not what God did. God looked at a man who was dead in his trespasses and sins and said, I want to save him. I want to make him alive again. Down in Florida where I grew up, about 20 miles from my house, out on the ocean, there's most of Florida is, is uh, sand dunes and, and ocean uh, out around the beach area, ocean sand that tapers out into the waves. But there's an area down about 20 miles from us that has a lot of rocky coral underneath the water that has been eroded away over time. And there are cliffs there. They're not big cliffs like you'd see up in New England or anything like that. But there are cliffs there, some of them 15, 20 feet tall or so from the, from the sand where the waves are coming in. And underneath the water, for a good ways out, a pretty good ways out, are coral rocks underneath there. And they built, back in the late 1800s, they built a life-saving station there. In fact, it's a museum today. Every time I go to Florida, or most every time I go to Florida, I'll usually take the kids down there. It's a nice place to go visit. And they like to walk around on the, the cliff edges and the rocks there. And they like to crawl under the little caves that are washed away underneath them. And we'll, we'll read the plaques that are up there. 
of these men who were trained back in the 1800s with nothing more than wooden rowboats to, in the middle of storms, take these boats and row out in, the, in, the, in their own peril in, in the midst of this storm with the waves crashing and tried to save the lives of sailors whose boats had been driven on those rocks and their boats sank. It was a life-saving station. And can I tell you this, every time I go there, I am reminded of what Christ did for me. Because the truth is, I was drowning in my sin. I was lost. And if someone had not come along to save me, I would have drowned in my sin. I would have been lost and gone to hell. But God... who is rich in mercy. And for the great love wherewith He loved us, He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross in our place. There was a day when I was 13 years old that I understood this truth so vividly. It made perfect sense to me. I understood it. I read it in Scripture. and The light bulb turned on. I thought... It's so simple. It's truth, and it's so simple. I remember sitting in an office. I can still picture the chair that I knelt next to. I knelt down beside that prayer, and for the first time, my heart cried out to God. And I said, Lord, I can't do it. I cannot save myself. And today, I want to put my faith in You. I'm going to trust You to save me. And you know what? He did. That's the amazing thing. He did. I'm going to tell you, there's been a lot of ups and downs since I was 13 years old in my life. There's been some great mountaintop experiences and joy in life. There's been some deep, deep valleys of sorrow in my life. But through them all, I was saved. I was anchored in Christ. I was secure. You know, the Bible tells us that when a man gets saved, the Bible says that God has put them in his hand. And the Bible says this, No man can pluck them out of my hand. Speaking of Jesus. Jesus said, My Father, who is greater than I, He has them in His hand too. And no man can pluck them out of His hand. Can I tell you this, when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we trust Him as our Savior. We say, Lord, there's something missing in my life. I just don't know what it is. It's an emptiness. It's a void. I've been searching for it for a long time. Jesus said, if you'd ask me, I'll give you water. You'll never thirst again. If you just put your faith and trust in me, you'll give it to us freely. He's not going to charge us for it. He's not going to make us earn it. He just simply says we need to call upon the name of the Lord. We need to ask Him for it. We need to put our faith and trust in Him. And can I encourage you in this? I, I've, for many, many years, I've struggled with this fact that there are a lot of people who see it They'll sit in a service like this and they'll see the truth. 
They'll understand it from God's Word. And they'll get very, very close to making the decision. And then they don't. Turn with me back just one page to John chapter number 3. Verse number 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world. Can I tell you, that's you. (laughs) If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, the greatest news I can tell you is that there is a God in heaven, and the most amazing thing about it is, He loves you. He loves you. God is not some detached being up there somewhere that does not know what's going on in our life. Jesus said that there's the sparrow that cannot fall to the ground except that God knows it. God is so intimately involved in your life. The Bible says this. He knows the number of the hairs on your head. Can I tell you, for some of us, that's a hard task for Him. Because our hair is constantly falling out. But can I tell you this? God is so great, it's not even hard for Him. This is how so much He is involved in my life. For God so loved the world, that's me and that's you. Notice he says this, verse 16, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not what? But have what? Can you see it? It's so simple, it's so plain in Scripture. Men try to muddle it up. Men try to add things to it and say, oh, you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to do this. No, 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 no. Just put your faith in Him. That's it. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's it. For God sent not, look at verse number 17. I think these are important verses. For God sent not His world, Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. We escape that condemnation. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Can I encourage you today, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, today's the day. Today's the day. If you're here this morning, you've trusted Christ as your Savior. We can rejoice in what God has done. It can encourage us. We can leave here rejoicing that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. When we get to heaven one of these days, I am thankful that I'm going there with the reservation and God is expecting me. John tells us, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Do you know if you're saved today, God is preparing a place in heaven for you. And when we get there, He doesn't have to do like all the immigrants coming across the border here in America and say, I've got to find a place to put them. He's already got a place reserved. What a wonderful thought. But it's not God's decision to make. It's yours. 
and it's mine. We've got to be the ones to decide, am I going to trust Him? Am I going to put my faith in Him? Am I going to believe in Him? Or am I going to keep doing the things that I've always tried to do to earn my way to heaven? I'm thankful the Bible tells me these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. I'm thankful the Bible tells us we can know. We don't have to scratch our heads and wonder. And isn't it an amazing thing? I mean, think about this. The God of heaven. The God who stepped out on nothing over 6,000 years ago and spoke and the worlds came into existence. That God, He loves you. And He wants to have a relationship with you. And He wants to walk and talk with you. He wants you to be with Him for eternity. You say, Brother Greg, why? (laughs) Beats me. I have no idea why God wants it. Other than I know He loves us. If I was God, and I knew Greg Boer as well as Greg Boer knows Greg Boer right now, I, I wouldn't even put up with him. I'll be honest with you. The truth is, a lot of us could say that about ourselves, couldn't we? If I was God and I had to look down and see me, I wouldn't have even wasted my time. I'd have just wiped them clean and started all over again. But God loved us. I can't explain it. But the Bible says it, so I believe it to be true. That's, that's my authority. That's the truth. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I tell you, my friend, you can know today that you're on your way to heaven. You could go to sleep for the first time in your life tonight with full assurance, with joy in your hearts. If I die tonight, I'm on my way to heaven. Satan can't have me anymore. I know that if I die now, I am secure in the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never done that before, I urge you today to find some time. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. And we do that for no other reason than to give people a chance to respond to the preaching. Some people come to the altar and they kneel here and they pray and they talk to God and they do business with God there and they make decisions. You'll see some people maybe do that. Some people sit in their seats and pray and make a decision for the Lord. Can I tell you, it really doesn't matter where as long as the decision is made. Some of us may say, well, I'm too nervous in front of all these people to do this thing. You know, you don't have to do it in front of a bunch of people. To put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, all you have to do is have your heart cry out to God. You can say it in silent prayer. You can say it in audible prayer. Say, Lord, I know I can't save myself. I'm going to trust you as my Savior. I'm going to trust that what you did on Calvary, the death that you paid my price for, my sin for, the burial, the resurrection, I'm going to trust what you've done for me so that I can have a home in heaven for all of eternity. You can get that matter settled today. I would encourage you in this. If you make that decision for the Lord today, would you let me know that somehow? Either tell me on your way out today or send me a text on my cell phone. 
or call me sometime this week and let me know. I'd sure love to pray with you and rejoice in it. I would encourage you, if you need any, any help or guidance in that, or you don't understand some things, but you want to get that matter taken care of, could you encourage, could, could you, I encourage you to get in touch with me or find one of our men or one of our ladies here and say, I'd like to be saved today. I just, I have some questions I don't quite understand. I need some help with. And I promise you this, we will do everything we can to help you. There'd be no greater joy in our lives than to help someone come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not something to be embarrassed over. We would rejoice so much with you. You wouldn't believe how excited we'd be for you. We'd be almost as excited as you would be about getting saved. And I want to encourage you, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I don't care. You know, I'm a Baptist. We're Keith Heights Baptist Church. It doesn't matter what church you belong to. This decision's got to be made because that's what the Bible says. Not because of what church we belong to. I want to encourage you in that today. Christians, boy, can we get excited about this and rejoice in it today that God has saved us from our sin. And let that serve to draw our hearts closer to the Lord each and every day. You know, my, my uncle told me the day I got married, he said, there's something I try to tell your aunt all the time. As often as I think about it, he said, I tell her, Honey, I love you today more than I did yesterday, but not as much as I'll love you tomorrow. And I thought when I heard that, that that was a neat thing to do for your wife or your husband. You know, if one of you wives wanted to start doing that for your husband, I'm sure it would be a help to him. But how much more would that be if we could say that to the Lord? Lord, I love you more today than I did yesterday, but not as much as I'm going to love you tomorrow. I want to love God a little bit more every day. I want to be drawn closer to Him a little bit more every day. I want to be more like Him. I'll be honest with you. I remember growing up trying to emulate my dad. Any of you, any of you guys did that? Some of you girls probably you did that with your mom. You wanted to be like her? I, I remember my dad was my hero. I want to be just like him. I did. And I thought, you know, when I got saved, I'd like to be just like my Heavenly Father. He tells me what He's like in this book. And I read it. And I try my best. I fail a lot. But, oh, it's the desire of my heart. And I hope it's the desire of your heart to be more like Him. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. I pray that You'll bless it and use it this morning. I pray there, if there's anyone here that does not know, Lord, if there's never been a time that they've made that choice, that decision to trust You for their salvation, to trust You for forgiveness of sin, Not to try to earn their way to heaven. Not to try to work their way to heaven. But, Father, that they would put their faith in You. They would trust You for their salvation. Lord, I pray that today would be that day. For Christians that are here today, Lord, may we love You more as we meditate and think on what You've done for us. The great, great joy that comes to our heart and our minds. The stirring and... Lord, the, the, the thrill of life, even when the valleys come, the joy that is there, knowing that we are saved, that we are secure. Lord, I pray that You'd help Christians to be um, steadfast and unmoving, unwavering, that their faith would not be shaken. Lord, we live in very troubling times. It's easy to look at things and begin to get anxious and worried. I pray that You'd help us to rest in the fact that we are saved. 
I pray that you'll bless the invitation time. And Lord, use it as you would see fit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. And I'm just going to have the piano.